Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. comes from Isaiah 55, starts at verse 1, Come, everyone who thirsts. This is the glorious invitation of God. And uh, my hope and prayer this morning is that you will hear the voice of God this morning calling you to come to the waters and there be filled. Some years ago, I instituted a personal boycott of Major League Baseball. I think it was like 1992 or something. Where's Gary? 94 was the strike. Five, the boycott started. And the reason that started was that these, these baseball players, understand I used to play baseball as a kid in the streets, you know, in the fields, never had a real diamond or anything but but we used to play all right we played for fun and these ball players getting paid millions of dollars to bat 227 i can tell there aren't many ball fans in here but but these these guys they're getting paid millions of dollars to to, to bat 227 and they are on strike for more money this created an existential crisis in my heart. You know, how is this possible that you're playing a game, getting paid more in a year than most people earn in a lifetime? And so I decided that in my righteousness, I would boycott Major League Baseball. Now, mind you, I would go to minor league games. They're not being paid much, and they have to ride, ride on buses. But I would not pay to go see a Major League baseball game, and I didn't. Okay, I hadn't been to one before that either, but I, but I, I would not go to a baseball game. And all that changed in 2007. Uh, Monica was working with the Nationals, and we got free tickets. Okay, that's all right, because I'm taking money from them, and, you know, it's okay. So we went to a, a baseball game, and, and uh, been, been since, always as a guest, however, the boycott still holds. <laughs> but, you know, one of the great things about going into a ballpark, the concession stands. Now, now when, when I was a kid, the concession stands consisted of hot dogs, peanuts. No, that was it. You know, that was it. Now, filet mignon. <laughs> I mean, you, you can have anything you want. So, so we're walking in. And, and by the way, this, this is at, uh, at RFK Stadium, uh, D.C. Stadium for you really old timers. But anyway, uh, so, so we're walking in there, and there, there's this, this guy, and he's selling, I don't know what it was, but it was the biggest, fattest sausage thing. I mean, it oozed cholesterol, and it was grilling. <laughs> And I saw that I could have that on a, on a bun with, with sautéed onions and green peppers. I dream about that sandwich to this day. I mean, it was, it was the greatest 
thing I've ever had, uh, you know, in, in that way. It's as Dennis Mitchell, you remember him, the great philosopher? Some of you know him as Dennis the Menace. But one of the things he said was, he says, there's nothing like a hot dog with a baseball game wrapped around it. I'm telling you, that sounded great. That was great. So you get down into the stands and you're watching the game. And then these guys come along and you realize they, they would have brought me the food. You know, today they'll do that. You, you have a little, little readout pad and you can put your, your credit card through it and punch a few buttons and they'll bring you your food. Of course, you have to be in first-class seating, right? The, the, the premier seats, president seats, I think they call them. You know, how un-American is that? But anyway, um, but, uh, you know, these guys are going up and down the aisles, you know, hot dogs, get your red hots here, you know. Peanuts, get your peanut popcorn, and beverages that shall not be named. This is a Baptist church after all. But they're all trying to get your attention. They're calling out, you know, why don't you come, you know, let, let me give you something to eat. And the sad thing is that most of us are sitting in the bleachers of life or we're, we're engaging in, 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 in life and whatever it is, and the, and the guys are going up and down the aisles beside us, and they're hawking their wares. They're saying, why don't you come this way and spend your life? Success. Success. Who would want success? Money. How about money? How about sense of well-being? How about power? You know, all these things, they're, they're trying to woo us into buying from them. We have a whole industry. Madison Avenue does nothing but try to convince people to buy stuff they don't want. And we're listening to these voices. And over them all, by the grace of God, you hear this one. Come, all of you who are thirsty. Every one of you who's thirsty, you come and come to the waters. It's not going to cost you a dime. Come and buy without price. Come and eat without having to purchase a thing. And sometimes it's so hard to hear the voice of God over all the other hucksters who are calling out their wares to hear the gracious voice of God. If you're thirsty, there's water and it's free. It's hard for us to understand what that would mean in the ancient Near East in the days of Isaiah. Um, they did not have water treatment plants and water delivery systems. And uh, you, you look at the Old Testament and you realize how much of it is, is centered around wells Wells are things that you get water out of. I say that for those of you who may have grown up in the section of Kentucky where I had my uh, student church, because there, if you said the word wells, they thought you meant the round things on the car that uh, made it move. But uh, I'm talking about the, the hole in the ground where you get water, okay? And, and a, a lot, of, lot of life in the ancient Near East was, was centered on getting pure water, having something to drink. They were either digging wells, finding wells, meeting at wells, fighting over wells. And so the idea of having water, something that you could drink, was not something you took for granted. It was sort of like living in an entire region called Flint, Michigan. I mean, it, you know, you started to think about this a lot. So when Isaiah says, here's what God's saying to you. Come, all of you who are thirsty. God has pure, clean water for you to drink. 
and it won't cost you a dime, not a dime. If we had gone back to the Hebrew text, uh, we would have seen that the first word in Hebrew, it's heholom. Those are the Greek, uh, the the Hebrew letters. Uh, It's pronounced ho. If you have a King James Bible, isn't that the first word? Ho, all you who thirst, you know. Just says ho. I don't know why the English Standard Version, the translation I'm using, I don't know why it leaves that out. It's a great word. It's sort of like saying, hey, hey you, water, here, thirsty, hey. He's getting our attention because we have grown so used to being parched and dry and thirsty that we've quit looking and quit believing and quit thinking that it's even possible to have your throat dry, to have that thirst satisfied. Hey! That woke you up. There's water, and it's free. And all of you who are thirsty. You ever see grace in little tiny words in the Bible? That word all? All who are thirsty. He didn't say all who are thirsty and satisfy the following requirements. Born Jewish, tribe of Levi, maybe Pharisee, maybe righteous, maybe religious, good person, upstanding citizen, person of stature, famous, accomplished, successful. It doesn't say you come and get the water if you've already got it made. It says all you who are thirsty, all you who at this point in your life have realized that your throat is dry and it's just sticking to itself and you've got to have a drink of water, you come. You who thought that you would never, ever have water again, you come. You who thought God didn't care anymore, you come. You who have just devastated your own lives by your own um, bad choices, we call that sin, you come. Because God says, hey, all you who are thirsty, you come. You come. You come. This is the great and glorious invitation of God. Uh, let, let, just, just let it roll in your mind. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come by and eat. Whoa, it gets better than that. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. No price, no money. It's free to you because God has paid the price. And the currency with which the satisfaction of our thirst has been purchased is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You see, there is a price for the water. There is a price for the satisfaction. Our sin has has insulted God and offended God and has separated us from God. And we are living in the darkness and the death of our sin and unrighteousness. And we are so far apart from God. What price could we pay who are already impoverished? 
We could not even begin to pay, even if there were a way to, to bring salvation to us on a discount price, reduced to 1995. We don't have it. We don't have the price. God says, you come, I've paid the price. You come, I've, I've already purchased it. I've, all, I've already brought it, and, and, and it's there for you now. The water's available because Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price that we might be satisfied. All you who are thirsty this morning, come to the waters. Come to the waters, be filled, be satisfied by wine and my, by uh, the milk without money and without price. Verse 2 says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Why indeed? I mean, we've got to be nuts. God will freely give us the greatest satisfaction of the soul. And we run ourselves ragged trying to purchase it some other way. And we spend all the coin, all the value of our time and our talent and our treasure, we expend it all in useless endeavors, chasing the, the, the American definition of what, what it takes to be happy, chasing around in the rat race, thinking we're, we're somehow accomplished and, and, and we, we've succeeded because we beat the other rats to the cheese. Why do we spend our money and our labor on things that never satisfy? Years and years ago, I used to fly on a semi-regular basis for various reasons. I don't now because nobody likes me. But, um, and I'm not bitter. But, uh, but uh, on one occasion, uh, I needed to fly out to Las Vegas, not for the reason you think. Uh, believe it or not, the North American Mission Board was having its its annual Board of Trustees meeting in Las Vegas. Um, you're not buying this, are you? <laughs> okay, well, Debbie bought it at the time, and I got away with it. But anyway, I'm flying out there for church business. Trust me, it, it, it was okay. Uh, but while, while we're out there, it was, it was kind of an interesting experience to, uh, to walk up and down the, the main road. I was in southern Las Vegas, I think it is. I think it's north Las Vegas where the mobsters are. And, uh, but anyways, you're walking along, and you've got these casinos on either side. I mean, there's casinos everywhere, and they're shaped like everything. You've got a pyramid casino, an Eiffel Tower casino, a Sphinx casino, and they have one. You wouldn't believe the shape of this thing. It looks like a building, <laughs> and it's a casino. But all, all the casinos open out. Now, this is Las Vegas where it's, what, like 175 degrees, but it's a dry heat. But uh, they're, they're, they're out there, and, they're, and they all open out on, and, on, onto the sidewalk. So as you're walking by, the air-conditioned air just sort of comes over, and it pulls you in, it pulls you in. No, I didn't go in there. But I did look. You know, and there, and you know, the, the first, you, you look in there, and there, there are these folks, and they're at the one-armed one -arm bandits, you know. You know, and they put in the coin and, and the one-armed bandit. Did you like that? I came up with that. But, you, you know, they're, they're, they're doing that. And what are these, these casinos doing? They're saying, hey, you unhappy? We can make you happy. The price, but come on in, we can make you happy. And every casino on that strip was out 
to cheat people out of their money, promising them happiness and reward, and giving them nothing but poverty and destitution. Hard to understand why a man would spend his life trying to cheat people out of their money like that. But not only in the casinos did you have these one-armed bandits. It was in the airport. Some of you have been there, right? On church business. <laughs> and, you know, in, in the airport, I, you know, I, uh, the, the, the meetings were over, and so uh, I just wanted to get home, so I, I adjusted my ticket, and I got a red eye out of there. It, they, they called it a red eye. They should have called it stiff neck for two weeks is what they should have called that flight. But, uh, but anyway, so I'm, I'm in the airport, I'm, I'm there, and it's, it's about midnight or so, and I've got another hour before the flight. And I'm, I'm looking, the airport's almost empty, but everywhere in that airport in Las Vegas, there's a row of slot machines, just a row of slot machines, you know, one after another, after another, after another. And, you know, there's a few people, and they're sitting at the slot machine with their little cup. Now, in Kentucky, I know what that cup would be for. <laughs> but... <laughs> If you didn't get that, you need to get out more. But, anyway. <laughs> but they're sitting there, you know, with their little cup, and they've got their nickels or whatever it is in, in, in the cup, and they're putting it in, pulling the handle, and putting it in, and pulling the handle, and putting it in. And it's the saddest group of people. They're putting it in, and pulling the handle, putting it in, pulling the handle. And one of them hits the jackpot. I don't know what it was, you know. I don't know how these things work, but, but they hit the jackpot. And you know that because the lights go off, whoa, 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 you know, and the bells are ringing, ding, 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 ding. And they take their cup and they put it under the little, little thing, and, and out comes the nickels. And the look on the face was, oh, no, I've got to stay here longer to lose all my money. Why do you spend your money on things that do not satisfy you. Why have you invested your life in a casino scam that promises everything and delivers nothing? Why do we spend the, the emotional energy and the, and, 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 and the resources of our life trying, chasing after happiness? And it never comes, and we wind up impoverished. You know what the great thing about God's grace is? Even though you blew your entire fortune in the casino of life, even though you blew all of life's resources foolishly and irresponsibly, even though you are broke and impoverished and have no Resource, you have nothing left, even though it's your own fault and even though it's your own stupidity, God still says, come to me and I'll give you water. Come to me and I'll feed you. And you don't need a dime or a nickel. I'll feed you for free. That's the grace of God. Why would we go anywhere else? Why would we look anywhere else? You know, there was a woman about 2,000 years ago and this woman had, had had a really tough time in life. Uh, we don't know why, but she, she sort of went through marriages, uh, one after another, after another, after another. Um, now, now, if you, if you want to view her politely, you would say, well, maybe all her husbands died. And, well, that's not happy either. <laughs> you know? 
Or maybe they used her, spit her out, threw her out. Maybe she had sort of a reputation, you know. But for whatever reason, her life was such that she was um, known to be that woman in the village of Sakar. And so while the other women would go out in the morning, while it was still a little bit cool, they would go to the well in the morning and they would all have their jars and, and they would get water together. And as they were going back and forth, they would fellowship with each other, fellowship from the Latin word meaning to gossip. And they would talk about other people. They would talk about this woman that I have in mind now. And, and they would go back and forth in the morning. But she would wait until the afternoon, in the heat of the day, when nobody in their right mind would go to the well. And then she would take her jar, and she would go by herself to the well to get the water. And one day when she went to the well, she looked over to one side, and there was a man. She recognized him as as a Jew. Now, she was a Samaritan, and seeing him as a Jew meant several things. She knew that they should not have any connection to each other because he was a man, she was a woman, he was this, this sort of righteous guy that didn't talk to women. So there was that barrier. He was a Jew, she was a Samaritan, there was that barrier. He looked religious, he must be religious. She was of a different religion. He was Jewish. She had that, that Samaritan sort of mongrel faith. And, and so uh, there was that barrier. So she knew just not to bother with him. And so she's going to get her water and do one of those things. If I don't look at you, you're not really there. You've seen that, haven't you? Anybody has teenagers know what I'm talking about. Okay, so you know, just, you, if I don't look at you, you know, you're not really there. And so she, she's going to get the water, and she hears a voice and says, Give me a drink. Give me a drink. I wish I could think of something funny to say right now. She, she looks over. She doesn't recognize him, but it's Jesus. Jesus says, give me a drink. And she says, what's, what's with this? You, a Jew, are asking me, a woman, you're not supposed to talk to Samaritans, you're not supposed to talk to women. What are you doing here? Jesus said, give me a drink. Give me a drink because if you only knew who it was you were talking to, you would come to understand that you hadn't come to Jacob's well outside the village of Sakar. You had not come to a well dug by human hands. You had not come to a well from which you draw water that will leave you thirsty at some point later on. You have come to the living water. You didn't even know it. But my Father in heaven has issued this invitation. If you're thirsty, come to the water that I provide. And when I asked you to give me a drink, I was simply getting your attention. You know, you read that story. It's in John chapter 4. You read that story. Jesus never does get anything to drink. Because they start that conversation. But he drew her out, and essentially he said to her, Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever the estate and condition of your life, you come to this well of living water, and when you get it, you'll never be thirsty again. Never again. In fact, let me read that for you. Jesus said, 
Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. You keep going the way you've been going, you're going to be thirsty again. Whatever you think is going to satisfy you, it'll leave you unsatisfied eventually. You'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I believe Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. You come to Christ and you ask him to be your Lord and your Savior, invite him into your heart. How does that happen? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you believe in Jesus, God sends his own presence, the very presence of God. He sends the Holy Spirit into the heart of every believer. And it is that Holy Spirit that wells up within us. And so we start to do incredible things like live by faith and walk by faith. We start to do incredible things like seeing the grace of God everywhere and giving him praise, honor, and glory for it. We start to do incredible things like, like seeing people the way Jesus saw them and treating them the way he treated them and bringing to them the grace and the love, the kindness, compassion, and mercy of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you come to the living water of Jesus Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and that water wells up within us an unending supply unto eternal, everlasting life. Jesus said, that's what I've got. That's what I want to give to you. I want to give it to you. That's why it's a gracious invitation. Just a gracious invitation. Okay. Back to Isaiah. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. This is a verse I can relate to. <laughs> Somewhere back in the 1980s, I had my first Reuben sandwich. Okay? If you don't like Reuben sandwiches, what is wrong with you? you know? But it, it made an impression on my mind. I can, I, I, you know, I was, I was having lunch with my mother. We were at the convention, and I, I'd never had one. I said, give me a Reuben sandwich. I fell in love. A Reuben sandwich is designed to kill you. You know, if you, if you eat enough of them, you know, with all the, the sauce and the corned beef and the sauerkraut and the rye bread and the butter. And the... So, I fell in love with Reuben sandwiches. And uh, a little while ago, I was talking to Debbie, and I said, you know, we're always dieting. Doesn't do any good, but we're always dieting. He said, I'll bet you could make a low-cal Reuben. God in his grace has given me a wife who knows how to make a low-cal Reuben. <laughs> Just ask her. You know, you, you use sort of the, 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 the low-cal, low-fat, um, Thousand Island dressing, and, and it, it, sauerkraut has nothing at all. And uh, I, think, I think it's like a deli ham instead of the... the and, and bread. I'm telling you, it's terrific. And it's guilt-free. But one of the things I love about heaven is that when I get there, I'm going to have a full-fledged, high-powered, high-octane Reuben sandwich. (laughs) 
delight in the rich fare that God gives to us. When he gives us his grace, it's not a diet plate. When he gives us his mercy, it's not locale. When he gives us his love and his pardon, it's not reduced. It is rich fare. And by the grace of God, it's good for you. Why would we want anything less than that? Why would we care for anything other than that? Because God says, look, you're thirsty. Come to the waters. You're hungry. Come. I'll, I'll feed you. You don't have to pay a dime for it. And look, come and, and listen diligent to me. Delight in the rich fare that I'm going to give you. This, this is going to be the best fare of all. Because it'll be at the banqueting table of the Son of God in his kingdom. Well, very, very quickly, uh, time eludes us, but you know, how, how do you respond to that? Uh, the, the Scripture tells us, you know, how, uh, what are we to do? Hey, oh, that's the first word in the Scripture. I was just reading it. Uh, you know, there are some of you who looked up and looked guilty. How did he know? I didn't know. Oh, I almost won that game. First he says, come. Come. Just Come. Jesus Christ has died for our sins. He's paid the price. Everything to be done has been done. There's nothing you need to add. There's no righteousness, no works, no wisdom. You don't need to add anything to the work of Jesus Christ. It's all been provided. Just come. Just come to him. Buy, invest, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, diligent to me, abide in the word, delight yourself, delight in worship. We could go on and on like that. But it comes down to this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. This is the great invitation of God. It comes to all who are thirsty. It comes to foolish people who've spent all their resources on useless things. It comes to all those who have the great need for Christ, and that's all of us. And all we need to do is come. Come, all you who are thirsty. This morning, if you don't know Christ, if you cannot say that he is your Lord and Savior, and the Spirit is working in your heart, and you come to understand I, I thought I had to do something. I, I thought I had to have a better understanding. I thought I had to attain something. I, I thought I had to, to do all kinds of things. And this morning, the Spirit says, no, just come. Come and put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. My prayer is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would make that decision this morning. And if you're a brother and sister in Christ and you've been a little bit hungry and thirsty lately and now your understanding is because you're spending things and your, your, your money and your time and your treasure, your talent, your energy, you, you're just spending them on things that never satisfy. I pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the courage of faith to just come to Christ, come to Christ and be satisfied in him, that he would be glorified as we answer the invitation of our Father. Let's pray together. Father, I don't know why it is, but we always try to make it harder than it is. 
We make it harder than it, than, than it is because we always think we have to add our works, add our righteousness, add our understanding, add something from us before salvation is complete. Father, what a wonderful invitation you give to us. What a wonderful invitation of grace. So I pray for the pouring out of your Holy Spirit this morning, that each person here would learn what it means to be satisfied completely, entirely in you by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And I ask this in his name. Amen.